0: Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Podcast. My name is Dr Sarah Simons and I'm an F2 uh, working in the East Midlands and today I'm joined by Dr Ian Lewins. Hello. Uh, our consultant in the Children's Emergency Department in Derbyshire Children's Hospital.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. That's
0: alright. Um, today we're here to talk about a child with stridor and I think it's a fair enough place to start to say what is stridor?
1: Okay, so um, I mean stridor is a noise, is the description of a noise that a child makes And with a lot of trainees or parents or whatever, they say, oh, they've got stridor. The thing to say is, what what noise are they making? What are they actually making? Mm -hmm. So the noise of stridor is an inspiratory noise. And if you make it yourself, so if I go, "Ah, ah, ah," that's the noise they're making. And what I say to medical students is, actually, if you make that noise yourself, "Ah, ah." Ah. you know where the problem is.
0: Yeah, you can it in your upper, throat.
1: Exactly. That yeah. is exactly where the problem is. As opposed to stir-tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like a
0: snoring noise.
1: Or... Snoring noise. And again, if you make that noise, it tells you where the problem is. Yeah. So stridor is an upper airways, typically in spiritual noise, that's an, that's mm-hmm. saying, I've got an upper airway obstruction, typically around the voice box region. So that's that's the noise. So make the noise. Say to parents... Are they doing this? Mm. And they go, oh yes, they're doing that. So that's what stridor is.
0: Okay. So stridor is a symptom rather yeah. than a diagnosis. Absolutely. And it's indicative of something that is obstructing the upper airway. Correct. So what would your main differentials be sort of at the top that you wouldn't want to miss in a child who presented with stridor?
1: So the commonest by far is going to be croup.
0: Yep.
1: Um, and that's the thing that we often see. And you often diagnose it as they walk through the department because they'll often have the barking cough. The classical, uh,
0: uh, uh, yeah.
1: that sort of noise. Mm-hmm. So those children are easy because they walk through and you go, oh, you've got croup. Mm. It's
0: a um, diagnosis. It
1: is. You sort of hear them coming through the door and you, you can make the diagnosis and that's very satisfying. But of course, there's, there's other things not to miss. So things like, is there some airway obstruction because the child swallowed something? Yeah. So... And again, this is where sort of history is coming into it and and taking a good history is really important, which we'll we'll come on to in a second. But So uh, foreign body, more serious things are things like your bacterial tracheitis, um, your epiglottitis is, is, although that's increasingly rare. Um, And thinking again, sort of, is this a long-term thing? Is it something like a floppy larynx as well? And again, that that all comes in history-taking. Which we'll come to, and then I mean the way to think about it is: look, what you're talking about is is a a tube with an obstruction in it. Is the obstruction coming from within the tube, from the walls of the tube, or outside the tube? Mm -hmm. So is it something else pressing on it? So something like a child with lymphoma, for example, might have big lymph glands that are actually pressing on the airway, causing a stridor. So as you say, stridor is a symptom. Not a diagnosis, yeah. but the commonest is croup.
0: Okay, so if we can talk about croup then for a yep. couple of moments. So croup's a viral illness. Yep. And what's the etiology and the typical presentation other than the barking cough with croup?
1: So typically, it's the parents. The the typical story is been unwell for sort of two to three days with snotty nose, bit of a temperature. And, as you say, it is a uh, a virus, uh, whether it be coronavirus or paraflu or rhinovirus or any of the viruses that cause snotty noses, um, causes inflammation within the upper airways. And that's when they can get the stridal because of narrowing inflammation of the upper airways. And it causes inflammation typically around the voice box. So the children often have, the parents say, they've got a really odd voice, their voice sounds hoarse and when they're coughing it sounds the the sort of the classic is the seal like cough and that's that that's your sort of typical crouper
0: so steroids tend to be the first line treatment they do for croup and you start with oral dex so there's a range of um, doses that you can give yes and so what would you sort of say first and foremost as a treatment, and then how would you escalate if a child didn't respond to that initial dose of dex?
1: Okay, so this is where big fights occur about yeah. the doses. It's just testing the water. Um, so I've, I'm so elderly that I've been around to have been involved with, everybody got prednisolone to start with, and then everybody got budesonide, so nebulized steroid mm-hmm. to start with, and now we're on to dexamethasone. And the, the, so if I've got somebody who's got mild to moderate croup one of the questions is should you give everybody with croup steroids even if they've got no stridor and i think you, you could debate that my personal practice is well look if they've been concerned enough to come to the ed because they've got yeah worries there then it does no harm to have a single dose of oral dexamethasone um, the dose range that's quoted is between 0.15 and and 0.6 MIGs a kilo as a stat dose. Um, the evidence on which is better is debated furiously. I typically give 0.15 and sit at that. I do know other colleagues who give that, and then if they haven't got better, give another bit, but I don't think there's an awful lot of logic to that. So, and there are studies that sort of show equivalence between 0.15, 0.3, 0.6. So I, I interesting. give 0.15, I give a lower dose typically. And what I tend to say, what I say to parents is, look, this tends to be very much a one-off dose. And it's important to explain to parents what it is and why you're giving it. So you're saying, look, the problem here with your child is inflammation. What I'm giving your child is a powerful anti inflammatory, so it's to reduce that inflammation, to reduce the swelling. Most children only need a single dose. Occasionally, there are children who need might need a second or third or fourth dose, potentially. Um, but classically, we would tend to give those doses about 12 hours apart. Um, so that that would be my approach. So as somebody who's fairly mild, it's got a bit of a croupy cough, maybe a very mild stride, or I'd give them a dose of dexamethasone Watch them for an hour or so, make sure the stridor's gone, and then discharge them with we we have an advice sheet in RED and clear return advice of when to come back. So if that stridor came back, you need to come back.
0: Okay. So as well as the stridor returning, what would you be particularly concerned about in terms of respiratory distress? So what features would make you think mm, not happy to just leave it at an oral dose of steroids and just okay. see how they go?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I mean croup. When you see lots of children, most croup is fairly mild, some is moderate, and some are oh my god, they're really sick, they're mm-hmm. about to close their airway off. Yeah, um, and the key I would say to managing the, the poorly children, the children who are. Um, working really hard with their breathing, got lots of recession. Maybe they've got biphasic stridor. So stridor mm-hmm. when they're breathing and when they're breathing out. So right.
0: <laughs>
1: that sort of noise. Yeah. The key is keeping them calm and keeping the parents calm and you being calm, even though you're panicking and thinking, this child's about to close their eye away. Nice and calm. Mm. So we've nice and calmly move through to the recess. We sit with the folks. And it's important not to do too much to these children because if you stress them out, if you upset them, then that's when they can close off their airways.
0: So keeping people calm yeah. and escalating appropriately. So you'd want someone who can support an airway.
1: Absolutely. So the, the other mainstay of treatment as well as sort of oral steroid if you can get it into them is think about nebulized adrenaline um, and nebulized adrenaline seems to get used quite a lot and I think the thing to say about that that from my perspective if you're using nebulized adrenaline it's a holding measure whilst you're waiting for somebody who can potentially take over the airway to come and take over the airway because you may well get a rebound in mm-hmm. their symptoms so you might transiently get things better maybe the stridor reduces maybe the work of breathing reduces but you can get a rebound and things get worse and that's when you need somebody who can take over the airway
0: okay so we've talked a bit about group and i know you mentioned earlier that a kid who's been a bit snotty and a bit under the weather for a couple of days with yeah. barking cough is indicative of that sort of viral illness um and i know that you also touched on a couple of other differentials before so yeah. talking about a foreign body uh, or a bacterial tracheitis so within your history what sort of timescale would make you think of different things to be worried about
1: okay so a uh, very kind of acute onset stridor, particularly if it's accompanied by um coughing choking episode um and some missing lego is 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 yeah. good for i put something skills. in yeah absolutely yeah. so it's often they were sat on the floor playing with stuff there was sudden coughing and choking and now they've got this funny noise um, should make you think, is this a foreign body? Is mm-hmm. this a piece of Lego? Is this a piece of carrot or something like that? Um, and listening to those children, what you might have is as well as sort of the or when you listen to the chest, you might have a unilateral wheeze. So classically, because of the way of the anatomy of the airways, the stuff will go down your right main bronchus you'll hear wheezing on the right side of the chest but actually fairly clear on the left side of the chest and this again this is sort of thinking okay does this history fit with it, does my examination fit with foreign body and you can at that stage sort of think about okay what investigations do I need to do and that's where chest x-ray comes in and very specifically asking your lovely x-ray department to do inspiratory and expiratory films if they can so on your inspiratory film you might see a little difference between the two lung fields but, but often they look fairly similar but on the expiratory film there'll be the, the, it'll be much blacker on the side where the foreign body's trapped and okay. acting like a valve yeah, okay. Just plugged it. yeah exactly um, and that's where you need a friendly ENT surgeon to come and fish this out or uh, with you know under anaesthetic, it's it's uh, it's
0: seems a bit kinder that way. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, just just touch. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's that's a uh, you know fish it out. In terms of other things, so the other things that we sort of said were things like a tracheitis or a, um, an epiglottitis, much rarer these days because of of, of Hib vaccination. Um, it tends to be a slightly shorter course, and the difference between these children is that you know they've got a bacterial infection as opposed to croup which is a virus infection um and they're just iller and there's no better yeah. they just look iller right. they often have high temperature so your your croup will often be 38s typically somebody with the the bacterial infection will have the 39s 40s they look toxic they may well be septic
0: which will lead us nicely onto one of our future podcasts.
1: Yes, um, and the the thing the children that you should really be worried about are the ones that are drooling, mm-hmm. because if they're drooling, it means things are so tight down there I can't swallow my secretions, and you need for those children they are going to need anaesthetics and ENT and antibiotics, and that's all got to be done in a very controlled environment. Yeah,
0: so the drooling's a red flag. Absolutely. And that's sort of the main thing that you'd be wanting to escalate as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So if I'm seeing that person walk through the door, as well as being nice and calm, I'm also frantically ringing ENT Mm -hmm. and anaesthetics to come and and help me.
0: So I think we've quite nicely covered the rationale for intubating a child and and maintaining airway support as you need to. What's the risk of recurrence for these conditions, so with viral croup? If you have croup once, are you more prone to developing croup in future?
1: Good question, to which I'm frantically trying to think the answer. I mean, it's it's a virus infection. Yeah. It, it, the, there are certainly some groups of people who seem to just keep getting it. Mm. Um, but generally what I would say to folks is, look, it tends to be a one-off. Most kids often just get it once. Um, and parents sometimes say, well, why, don't, why haven't I got it? Because we've all had colds, we've all had yeah. coughs. Why haven't I got it? Well, to which the answer is: Well, actually, your airway is much bigger. A
0: bit so more it's resilient. All,
1: exactly, and it's all to do with the diameter of the airway. Mm-hmm. So, as you get a swelling and a significant narrowing, now if you or I get the sort of the virus that causes it, you might get a sore throat, but you won't get the airway narrowing because your airway is much bigger. When you've got a much smaller airway, a small amount of swelling narrowing will cause that obstruction. Um, So, again, you know, you often grow out of it as your airway gets bigger. Mm. So you will not be sort of symptomatic as you were. But there are definitely a group of children who get it again and again and again and again. And you need to be thinking, hmm, why? Is is there a particular reason you keep getting this? Mm. But generally speaking, this sort of tends largely to be a one-off I would say
0: okay and with that one-off are there any particular sort of long-term consequences no you no I wouldn't about?
1: wouldn't counsel parents to sort of say look this is going to cause a long-term problem or damage or swelling or anything like that no it's just a it's an inflammation we are giving anti-inflammatories when this is the inflammation reduced the virus is out your system you should be fine you should okay. be fine
0: so I think that quite nicely sums up different kind of acute presentations of stridor. Is there a form of chronic stridor, or children babies presenting with a more long-term history that we should be thinking about differentials for?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other one that we sort of often get asked to see, the, the main child to think about are the child with the, the floppy larynx. And these are babies referred with sort of noisy breathing, and they're often quite, can be really quite markedly, Stridulous and really quite noisy, but sitting there looking happy as Larry and absolutely fine. Um, and sod's law always says that they'll not do it whilst they're in the department. So I often get mm-hmm. parents to say, "Can you, you know, everybody's got a phone these days? Can mm-hmm. you video it and show us what it looks like?" And in the vast majority of these cases, it's it is just simply floppy larynx. And way, again, way I explain it to parents is, look, we as adults we've got nice, thick, strong cartilage when we're breathing in and out that holds our windpipe open when you're little it's a bit thinner it's a bit floppier it's a bit um, you know more rubbery Mm -hmm. if you like so when the child's breathing in if you've got a floppy larynx the airways slightly collapsing down the vast vast majority of these children are absolutely fine and thriving and they grow out of it as they get older typically by about one year of age Um, Again, red flags for me would be if this child's got failure to thrive, if they're not putting on weight, that yeah. should concern you. Um, and equally, if they're not growing out of it, by roughly the age of one, again, you just got to think, have I got the right diagnosis here? So, so often asking ENT to see them as an outpatient and think do they, they need a, a, a flexible airway examination uh, to sort of try and fix the diagnosis. But actually, most of these are simple floppy larynx that can be reassured and discharged home.
0: Okay, so I think we've covered just about everything, and it sounds like the main take-home messages are to always escalate a child who's drooling, absolutely. as soon as possible, absolutely. to think about airway compromise in the context of the anatomy, so thinking about the tubes that yep. babies and kids of varying ages and sizes have, and how that affects their breathing, um, and above all, if you're worried, just seek help, sounds absolutely. like. Absolutely,
1: escalate, uh, these, these are ones, escalate early, absolutely. Mm.
0: Okay. okay, thank you very much for talking to me. Okay,
1: okay. super. Thank you.